0: Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. What a great day that I get to celebrate with you, get to celebrate Christ the King Sunday. Although it's a week early, we are celebrating. This is kind of like the Christian New Year's. We end one year heading into the Advent season. And as we talk about kings, one of the things that I was always fascinated by, all of us are a little bit of the monarchies of the world. They entrance us. If we look at magazines and shows and plays that have been written out throughout time, it's always been there. We've, we kind of look at kings and queens and monarchies, and they intrigue us. The thing that intrigues me the most about it, it is, has nothing necessarily to do with qualifications. It's about birthright. Someone can be named a king or a queen with absolutely no qualifications whatsoever. And we know that they take power often and they oppress all that's around them. That everything in their world is set up to make them succeed. For them to be in power, absolute power. And so for that, I think there's a reason why shows like The Crown or Victoria or plays, the ten plays of Shakespeare, take so much, they intrigue us so much. But today we're going to look at our king, another king, Jesus the Christ, our king. He's an eternal king, a king not of this world, but a king that is sovereign over all, a king that is so different that we're not just his subjects, but rather his brothers and sisters. Our belief in Jesus not only gives us life, we are inherit, co inheritors of the kingdom of God with him. What an amazing thing. The purpose of this day is to reflect and recalibrate our lives. As followers of Christ. What are we really serving? What are the things of the world, the secular world, that pull us in, that draw us in, that we enshrine, that we make our our gods, our kings? So what do we serve? And so today we look at what and who we serve. We prepare this new year as we head in with great anticipation, not just of The king who will be born that will celebrate his birth But the king who laid down his life for us That fulfilled his mission for each one of us So to do that we have to go to our reading in our text today from John And it's fascinating it's just a few verses that we covered today But I think to get a better understanding We have to go all the way back to the beginning of 18 To really get a better sense of what's going on this trial that's beginning to happen please hear this as we go into this that don't miss this part of it none of this none of it was by accident jesus isn't defeated and arrested and sent to a place and that's just his fate this was all in the design of god from the beginning this was his purpose and so as we catch up on chapter 18, we begin to get a better sit, we get a, a better picture of what's going on around him. To get to that, you have to look at what happens at the beginning. He's in the garden with his friends, and then he is betrayed by kiss and 30 pieces of silver by one of his closest friends. And he's predicted, rightly, that one of his best friends is going to deny him and Um, And then he is arrested and the high priest comes in and they have his people around him. He cuts off the ear of one of the servants and then Peter did. And then Jesus picks it up and puts it back on his head and said, hey, we're not going to have violence here. That's not why I'm here. And so they go from there bound. Jesus is bound and he goes to a trial first to Annas and then to Caiaphas. And these these two trials there, it's a kangaroo court. And they want everything they can to make sure that they get him put in his place. They want him gone. He threatens everything in their world. Because the real idea was what they wanted, what they really wanted, was a king that would come in and take over. A king that would establish a new kingdom in Jerusalem, and that they could come in, and they would sit on high with him. They would overthrow Rome and force out the oppressors. All of that is what they wanted. And yet Jesus rides in... To Jerusalem on a donkey and when he comes into the city instead of turning to the courts of power he turns to the temple he turns away he wasn't coming as a political king at all and so he comes in and they have him arrested and they start going through and to be honest there's nothing they can really charge him with they're trying to trump up all these things around him but they don't really have a whole lot And so they know that they don't have a lot of authority also. They can come up with charges and take him to court, but they don't have authority to kill him. They're still under Roman rule. And so Caiaphas and the Jews, the Jewish leaders, they take Jesus and even begin to, as he's bound, to hit him. And then they take him to Pontius Pilate in the morning after a long night of being bound and taking him through this kangaroo court. And so they take him to Pilate in the morning. And they call them out because they won't enter into Pilate's house because it's the Passover. And they don't want to be defiled by going into a Gentile's home because they want to make sure they get to celebrate the Passover. But there's something really interesting about this that you need to know. If you go back and look in the the Old Testament, their Bible, what they had memorized, it was a made-up law. It didn't say they would defile. But this is kind of the point. The reason why I tell you that is because it's so important for you to know that there's all these laws that began to be created by men that oppressed the people around them, that allowed them to stay in power, allowed the people around them to be unsure, to be held down. And that's exactly what they're doing. They've made up a law. And my question to us now is, do we do that? Do we come up with the things in our lives that we go, well, this is what God wants, but it's maybe a ritual or something that we've made up that's not even a command from him. But we have to look at the things that we follow in our lives. Are they things that are of God? Or are they things of the world? So after a while, Pilate brings Jesus in. The religious rulers would, um, having heard the demand of the Jewish leader, Pilate goes into the headquarters and he speaks with Jesus for the first time. And he asks Jesus, not if he's a Messiah, but rather if he's the king of the Jews. This is a political rather than religious charge. Pilate would not care if Jesus was anointed one of God because he asked, ironically, I'm not a Jew, am I? So I want you to get a picture of this. He doesn't ask him, he doesn't really care if he's the son of God. He doesn't care what kind of, if you're king of the Jews, he doesn't want an uprising. He wants to make sure his job as governor is to make sure that nothing happens there, that there's not an uprising in the city, that he's not overthrown, to keep peace for Rome, which usually meant to brutally beat down the people around him. He just wants to make sure Jesus is not stirring up an uprising while the city is filling up and overflowing with people who've come to celebrate Passover. So at this point in the text, Jesus asked Pilate, um, why do you ask me? The governor's curiosity. Why you, um, at this point in the text, Jesus asked Pilate what has prompted the question. Because Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And then the mock trial to undo do, do Jesus being forced by the very people that claim to serve him. The ones who should have known the Messiah and recognized him. Instead, they've handed him over to die. So at this, Jesus takes over the interrogation. He asked Pilate a question. And you get a great sense of the design in which this whole trial, everything was taking place. He wasn't being held against, he was against his being held, but he was there with his purpose. He knew why he was there. He was there because that was his design all along. He's in front of Pilate because he chose to be. Jesus had come to this earth to rescue. And the final act was playing out just as he had planned. The Gospel of John is a little different from the other Gospels. And from the beginning of the gospel, Jesus is in fact king. Nathanael at one point says, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. The gospel then goes on to explore that Jesus is not a king that the world would ever recognize. This is a king who speaks to the lowly and rejected, sinners, tax collectors, you, me. This is a king who serves rather than being served. This is a king who enters the holy city not triumphantly, but seated on a donkey. He's a king unlike any other king, and his kingdom is unlike any other kingdom. It's not of this world. What is this kingdom? What is this reign like? That is an important question for us. What is the reign of Christ the king really like? So Pilate then goes on and he asks him, what have you done? And why have these authorities handed you over? Why do they want you gone? I mean, what have you done that's so bad? And Jesus then, in a seemingly non-sequitur, declares to Pilate that he he does have a kingdom, but it's not a kingdom of this world. Again, we go back to this place. It's not a political thing. It's not something that is trying to overthrow Rome, so it's not really a threat to him. We know that Jesus is the word of God. That he has become flesh, he lives among, us. he made his dwelling among us, from John, Jesus has come from God and has come so that everyone who believes may not perish but have eternal life, from John three sixteen. We also know that in order to recognize the King, this only Son, we must be born from above, from John three three. Unless we have experienced this new birth, we are unable to recognize the reign of God that surrounds us on all sides. And if we do not accept that Jesus is king, then we're outside of the kingdom. Although his sovereign reign is above us, we're outside of his grace. We're rebelling against the king. So it's incredibly important to understand, to recognize our king, to be in relationship with him. This text challenges us to answer important questions. Are we willing to accept Jesus as our king? Are we willing to let him reign in our lives? We too are tempted by the lures of this world and secularism. In fact, the very things that we worship become the rulers of our lives. And what's ruling your life? What's ruling my life? What are the things that distract and pull us away? Is it power or wealth or well-being, careers, hobbies, personal happiness that reigns supreme in our life? Do we devote our lives to following the one true king or do we pay tribute to the kings of our own creation? In our world today, there are so, so many distractions and things that we have become beholden to. We're sold the idea that things that we think will bring us life simply do not. And so we remain on a treadmill, never stopping, never slowing down, trying to get the next great thing. One of the great deceptions since the fall of man is that somehow we believe that we can be equal with God. We're encouraged to become our own kings and queens in this world, that we don't need a savior that we can handle it on our own. As it says in the Gospel of John 10.10, that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he accomplished this by accomplishing this by telling us we don't need a savior. Don't miss this, that there is an enemy of God that is fighting against his kingdom and against you. And the deceptions that we believe are that the things of our world the things that we do can still save us real life can only be found in Jesus our Christ in kingdom of the world everything is done for the selfish ambition and aims of a flawed and broken man or woman we are part of this world but as believers our citizenship is in the kingdom of our creator our father not of this world. Our reality is that we are inheritors of God's kingdom. Think of that, co-inheritors of God's kingdom. For all that believe we are given the right to be called sons of God. What does that mean to us? What an incredible, incredible thing that we are his children, called by name, known by him. The hairs on our heads and the words in our mouth that we were knit together for him for him real life cannot be found outside of jesus christ we're not outsiders looking in but we are a part of the family of god and not only that we're god's representation on the earth we're called to be that our king didn't come to oppress but he made he came to lay down his life for us that we might live unlike the kingdoms of the world where a servant has no value. We are of incredible value in the kingdom of God. That God so loved us that he sent his son to lay down his life for each of us, to pay the price for the sins that we couldn't pay for. We are of great value. We are his. As his ambassadors on worth, on earth we have a duty to live consistently by our faith and speak against anything and everything that is contrary to it. This text is about a clash between earthly kingdom and the heavenly kingdom. We each have to choose which kingdom we will serve. But we must remember that if we choose to serve an earthly kingdom, we will lose this struggle. Because just like Christ was victorious over death, he will be victorious on earth when he returns to set up His kingdom. Jesus was a king, but he was not a typical king. He was a servant king. The symbol of his kingdom is the cross. Jesus takes the worst we have to offer and the worst form of torture imaginable and changes it into life and hope. Because he lives, we have life and hope. The challenge of the kingdom for each of us is to let God be God in us, to let God be God in our church. To let God be God in our neighborhoods, to let God be God in our lives, our families, and in our world. It is the duty of the Christians to represent the king that we serve, Jesus, here on earth. The church does best when it imitates Jesus, who had no place to lay his head, who brought sight to the blind, helped the lame to walk, cleansed the lepers, made deaf hear, raised dead, and brought good news to the poor. Just as Jesus' power was in the cross, so the church's most effective witness is in service and sacrifice to those in our midst. It's not political connections, spectacular power, and connections that come from that are great architectures or the beauties of this world. It's in, it's in Jesus Christ. When we're in Christ's presence, we should feel a sense of humility. Christ is our friend, our big brother, But we can't appreciate Christ's friendship and Christ's role unless we acknowledge that He is our Sovereign and our Savior and our Lord. In John 18.37, the themes of John's Gospel are restated, incarnation, glory, and truth. Jesus came into the world to show us a new kind of king, not a king that was flawed and broken, his was his was the power of love, not the power of the sword. He came to rule, not from a throne, but from the cross. He came not on a horse, but a donkey. He came not catering to the powerful, but catering to the poor. And the less fortunate, he chose his inner circle. He calls us to be just like him. He calls us to take command and wield authority like he did. He calls us to give instead of take. He calls us to love instead of judging others. He calls us to care instead of ignoring the plight of the less fortunate. The truth to which Jesus testifies is the truth of the cross. Ever since the dawn of our faith, it has seemed strange that a man would become king by dying on the cross. Paul called it the foolishness of the cross, but Jesus called it the truth. Pilate asked an important question a little bit further on in verse 38 when he asked what is truth it's still important today because our answer really defines who and what we serve what is your truth who do you serve is the truth the one absolute truth the real truth or is it the truth that we've created the truth in our own world that we try to follow It's important that we know the truth, and the truth is Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Do we live in the reign of God following a servant king? Do we live lives that reflect that service? Do we reach out to the least and to the lost? Do we seek to serve rather than to be served? Do we testify of the truth of God? It is the truth that Jesus came into the world to bring love and forgiveness. And so my final question is this, are we citizens and are you citizens of that kingdom or the kingdom of the world? And do you serve Christ the King? Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.